Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cosy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to McKnight Tonight. My guest today is a dear friend and a colleague who's really helped my career. Adam Boland is something of a mentor to me and I've become very, very close with him over the years. He's had a self-imposed media silence for about five years now, but I've finally got him to come out of his shell to talk about his brand new project and get his take on the television industry. Adam Boland, welcome to McKnight Tonight. Rob, hello to you. (laughs) Follow. I can't believe we're about to talk about a new project you're doing. We're after so many years away from TV. First of all, do you miss TV? Oh, well, obviously. Uh, I mean, many things about TV. I miss the people. Mm. I I genuinely miss the, uh, you know what that's like, right? When you're sitting in a production meeting in the morning and you're just, you know, talking shit and some of it turns (laughs) into, you know, a product the next morning. Extraordinary, right? And that's only the result of having great people in that room with you. So I miss, I miss that. I miss that idea of, of that notion of being able to just throw ridiculous ideas around and people either throwing them back in your face and saying, you know what, as you often did with me, right? You say, that's just not going to work, Bolo. You're going to jump the shark there. Um, or, or some would work. So I, I obviously miss that. I miss, I miss the um, intimacy. This might seem like an odd thing, right? But I, and I know you know this. There is an intimate relationship with the audience, which yes. is extraordinary considering the audience is often so large. But mm. there are there is a way I think, particularly with the kind of shows we made uh, at Breakfast TV, there is similar to Talkback Radio, and that there is a relationship. They tell you what they think, right? Yes. And so I miss I miss that day to day, and I miss the ability to influence the national conversation i do to some and that's not not in any way to sound arrogant as in i i don't think i had an influence on that but i but you did in your position the shows the shows did and i have i miss the that involvement because i do think sometimes the conversation can be a bit wayward and the media tends to take somewhat of a pack mentality at times so you know but my choice to walk away. So, you know, you can miss those things, but not regret. And so there are, and there are many things about TV that I don't miss. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you balance it all up, I, I think I'm in a, you know, a pretty happy place, but like you, I'm sure there are many things, many things that I miss. Um, it's interesting. You say, you talk about 
shaping the national conversation. I don't think there's been a show since your sunrise, because I do think it's a different sunrise now, but your sunrise did campaigns like cool the globe and things like that, that created a national conversation. And I don't see that happening anymore. And I think those uh, campaigns created a community as well, which I Mm. think was super important. Um, That said, there are differences in their defence. It was pre-social media. So to some extent, many of those camp... Well, it was kind of at the birth. We were at the... We we played a lot when social media came around with Facebook and the like. We we did some great stuff with social. But we had to create our own community, if you like. And uh, so there was that. But, yeah, I kind of... you know, it's it's shows evolve, I guess. Um, but I do think sometimes. Here's the thing. Okay, here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a view that <laughs> we've got I a think, classic bolo. Oh, here's no. the thing. No. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try to be as uncontroversial as I can, and I don't. I don't screw don't that. <laughs> from the Rob McKnight school of no, I. I, and I <laughs> I don't believe this is controversial. I think I think this is fair. I think often um, the far right has the loudest voice, but I don't think they reflect the majority view in Australia. And I think the same-sex plebiscite was a really good example, right? The, the so-called quiet Australians are actually the majority. And yeah. I've always found that the Australians are generally a fair bunch of people. And I, I, so I kind of feel as though the one thing that sometimes is missing from the conversation is um, uh, conversations that, that, that appeal to those themes of fairness, those themes of, you know, Australians don't like discrimination. They really don't in the whole. Mm. Australians like seeing people get a fair go. And I do think sometimes, sometimes some of the conversations in mainstream media uh, play to a section of the audience does, that does not reflect the majority view and, as a result, perhaps over time undermines their core brand. And I think that can sometimes be dangerous territory. I get the appeal when you're playing within minute-by-minute territory and you want to spike and, yeah, you know what, controversy works and nothing wrong with controversy, nothing wrong with controversy, nothing wrong with hosting the conversations. It's the, it's the manner in which you host them and it's the people you choose to have those conversations. Um, that's in no way directed at any, at any show, at any particular. It's just I, do, I feel sometimes the conversation doesn't re- re- reflect what the majority of Australians sometimes think. Um, and well, those concepts you say that because you introduced the idea of really having political heavyweights talking about issues in breakfast TV. That idea seems to have been lost now in the fact that it's well-known names on extremes. I, I do feel Australians are very centrist. They're not hard oh, yeah. left, they're not hard right. And this is why we change governments all the time because mm. we go on policy. Um, but what you see now in Breakfast TV are producers booking extremism. You know, it's the Mark Lathams, it's the Pauline Hansons, it's the one, it's the politicians with extreme views that they are trying to create controversy with, aren't they? Not actually have a conversation. Yeah, which I get. I, I, I kind of, I, I feel as though uh, some of the conversations that we had were more about getting answers for our viewers as opposed to just, you know, inciting grabs or, or I think if you, particularly if you put fear at the centrepiece of content, that ultimately will backfire. Yeah. Uh, you know, gee whiz, one of the biggest, most successful campaigns we ever ran was called Give Fear the Flick. It was intentional, right? 
People will need hope. People need this sense of humanity, and particularly in times like COVID, right? I, th I feel as though that sometimes we perhaps should be looking beyond the gimmicks of, you know, of just saying we're all in this together. That's an important message, but how are we? You know, show me more of that as opposed to division. And by the way, I'm sure there are plenty of great examples where shows have, ju have done just that. It's, this is just a, a, a long-term observation I'm making that's that not necessarily directed at anyone. Well, talking about COVID-19 and science in general, you are part of a new project that's getting science back on the agenda. I'm excited by this. So, uh, as you know, uh, one of the things that my company has been doing in the past um, couple of years has been working very closely with the Australian Academy of Science. Um, I love these people, right? And this this came about pure, by pure chance. I was living in Canberra and, and living opposite what they know, some know as the um, the Martian Embassy, right? In Canberra, that big dome <laughs> built. Right? And I would often sit out on the balcony and think, what is that place? What, what is it that happens, you know, there? And one day in the Canberra Times, while leading my week, I discovered they had a new CEO called Anna Maria Arabia, who was just dynamic, right? Everything you she said in this interview was just like, just touched all the value points. And I thought, I want to meet this woman because uh, she wanted to make science more engaging. She wanted to make, um, you know, the, the academy more engaging. The Academy of Science essentially represents the who's who of Australian scientists. To become a fellow of the academy, you've had to have been voted in by your peers. Uh, you've had to have had some kind of groundbreaking research. And I think sometimes we take science for granted, mm. or we have up until things like COVID, right? And mm -hmm. when you think about it, as she often says, science is the thing that will solve this. Science is everywhere. What you and I are doing right now is science. Science mm -hmm. is extraordinary. And Australia punches above its weight in science. So one of the things that we did with the Academy was we talked about um, getting those messages amplified, that, that sense of all of the great work that Australian scientists are doing. How do we celebrate it in a way that becomes a lot more public and a lot more mainstream in nature? So not just appealing to the science crowd who already gets it. Um, and so one of the things we did was um, run an experiment. Scientists love experiments, right? So <laughs> we took to social media and we, we made, we, we, our hunch was that we don't necessarily need, well, no, the hunch was this, can we use some of the techniques that you and I, Rob, have deployed in places such as News Corp and, and make video that works to an online mass audience, so have a direct conversation with the audience, if mm -hmm. you like. And so we gave it a six month, um, uh, you know, phase to see how it would go. We started with 9,000 followers on Facebook. This is on the Academy's Facebook um, page. They now have more than 2 million. Wow. It has, it has been a phenomenal success and a great credit to the Academy for being so bold in the area, right? So much so that the comms team that I now work with uh, is has some of the best media people I know, including uh, Paul Richards, who mm -hmm. used to be SP of Sunrise, right? He, I was fortunate enough to be able to introduce him to the Academy. They fell in love with him. He came in initially to run uh, the internal video unit, but uh, he just works so well there. He's now the Director of Communications at the wow. Academy, which it's just phenomenal, right? Awesome. He was one of those just great producers who... who who should have been doing more mm -hmm. is now doing more. Yeah. And I love seeing that, right? And he brought in some extraordinary people, Michelle Tapper, right? X60 Minutes and yep. Sunrise, she now works there. Guy called Matt Newman, XABC, Sonia Lear, X Al Jazeera, she's there. So you've got all these great media people working alongside um, science communicators 
and scientists, you know, the best in the field. So you're bringing together the best in science, the best in media, bringing those two together and then having a conversation direct with a mainstream audience. And it's just worked phenomenally. Anyway, so the evolution of that, because that's worked so well, it, it's um, the Australian Academy of Science has now teamed up with the International Science Council. The International Science Council essentially represents academies like the Australian Academy, but all around the world. There's, there's mm -hmm. loads of them. Pretty much every nation has one, right? So the ISC is the umbrella group. And they've decided in conjunction with the Australian Academy to launch a fortnightly web show called Global Science. Sorry about that long explanation, but that was the background <laughs> there, right? You know, I can't tell things short in a short break. But so, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm helping to make that as well. And the wonderful thing about this, apart from, you know, it just being a really good, good for the soul type of project, but it's hosted, going to be hosted by none other than Nula Hafner. Fabulous. Who, how good's that, right? Who we used to work with at 7 and at 10. And... Mm -hmm. Talk about an overachiever, right? She is, I think people don't realise, they, they saw her on the TV. While she was doing Wake Up, right, while she was doing the news of Wake Up, after she knocked off each morning, she went to uni to finish her study. She's now yes. a clinical psychologist working in a Melbourne hospital uh, in the trauma unit. Before that, do you know she's also a lawyer? Yes. She is, she's a bit like, and an actress, like this is just phenomenal, <laughs> right? So she's going to host this thing. And I, I thought when I asked her to host it, I thought, would she do it? Because she, you know, she works, she does all this good stuff, you know, working in, you know, you know, in psychology and all the rest. She said, I, I would love to do it because to her, it goes to her personal charter of informing and entertaining. Yes. Because, and I think that's really important, right? Particularly now. So the whole, here's the point. The whole point of this show is to be able to hear directly from the world's best scientists because I, I kind of feel as though sources matter more so than ever now. We have to hear directly from people who are credible um, and, you know, in this era of this term, I hate fake news, um, it's more important than ever to hear from the people who actually know stuff and that's the point of the show. So let me get this straight, though. The show you are producing with Nula Presenting is being used by the international science community. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> That's great. That is uh, awesome. So it, it's a real credit to the Australian Academy of Science and the International Science Council. I'm kind of honoured to be involved. But it's um, uh, the first show will go out in the next few weeks where, like you, we're just having fun experimenting with how the hell to do something like this in the mm -hmm. age of COVID during the lockdowns around the world because it's global, right? So we need to access people who can't necessarily get to places where we'd normally do interviews from. So you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to give me some tips on what works and what doesn't. Um, and, but ultimately it will be distributed directly via social and with the help of, of the many members of the ISC, including those, those 2 million followers of the Academy in Australia alone. So, um, it has great appeal, I think. And I think Nula, given her background, her expertise, she's, you know, interviewed everyone from world leaders to celebrities, um, and with her own personal experience, uh, in education. Uh, and science, I think will be perfectly placed to be able to conduct some really cool interviews. Absolutely amazing. Now, look, I cannot have you here being the pedigree that you have when it comes to breakfast television and television altogether without asking your opinions on a few things of the state of play on television today. We Give me your thoughts on breakfast television at the moment. I don't have any. I'm, I, look, I know what you're trying to do and I love you for it. 
But (laughs) I don't want to be one of those. You know those publicists who always used to say to us after interviews, you specifically ask the questions they ask you not to ask. Um, You didn't put any limits on this interview. No, I did it. But how how many times have I dodged these type of interviews? (laughs) Because you know why? I kind of got to the point where I just thought people were sick of hearing what I had to say. A, I got sick of hearing what I had to say. Yes, because that's you because you were a media tart who was in the paper every second day but you know what you've been when was the last time you did an interview it would be like five years ago yeah i just don't i you know and intentionally and i i just wanted to vanish and and just do my own thing and i've been very pleased about that but i genuinely do think someone who stepped away you've got no nothing in the game now right so you are not biased you don't have you, you don't have agendas. I think people would actually care what you think. You know, okay. we're, seeing, we're seeing a change in the breakfast landscape. The ABC News Breakfast is now the number two show. Sunrise is out in ahead. Today has had its issues. Come on, you must have some opinions. Uh, I'll say this. I think Michael Rowland has the cutest smile on TV. Uh, <laughs> I think, I said, look, I don't really. And, and it's, this is not me. Well, it is kind of dodging the question. But you are it's, dodging. It's, I, I kind of am. But I feel as though breakfast TV is so bloody hard to make, right? Yes. And, and um, you know, it's. I, I think it's a real credit to all of the people on all of the shows who get up every day and, and fill so many hours of TV. I know you're, you're getting When did you become a politician? I, it's not because it's, it's, they just look. I, and the other thing is, um, I kind of, what I said at the beginning, you know, is, is probably my primary view in that I kind of feel, no, I don't look, all I would say is I think there are obviously some great things that are happening in breakfast TV land. Um, there are some things I would be doing differently. Um, obviously. Um, but okay. Things- let me ask you this. All right. What would be the kind of breakfast show you make now? Oh, look, I don't know. I haven't given it a lot of thought. All, all it, it's, it's, I don't, the reason I haven't given it a lot of thought is because like me, and I think this is perhaps one of the great challenges for producers, right, generally, is that because the landscape has changed so much, our appetites have changed, the way mm. we consume media obviously has changed, and that includes me. I actually don't watch a lot of breakfast TV, not because the breakfast TV is not good, simply because it doesn't necessarily fit into my overall uh, media appetite anymore. Mm-hmm. I do tune it in when I want to see pictures, right? And I kind of feel like, he- okay, so the one thing I would do if I, was, if I was producing a breakfast show right now is I would ask the question, a fundamental question, why do people need to watch this show? Mm-hmm. Not to why do people want to watch this show. Why do people need to watch this show? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think I'd love to obviously see a little bit more risk taken, but it's, it's risks sometimes backfire. Like, God, look, look how much money I wasted at Channel 10, right? Risks backfire, but risks pay off as well at, at, at the same time. So, look, I don't know. The Channel know 10 is- risk could have worked. It could have worked. Do you think it was because of the state of mind you're in or do you think your state of mind diminished because you put yourself in that position? There was a lot oh. of pressure on you with the launch of Wake Up. Yeah, uh, you are probably both, but um, yeah, I, I look. I do think Wake Up could have worked, obviously, and I and and I I, I think it had great promise, and and it, it was trying to do something that was uh, different from the other two, which I think was and is important. Uh, you know, and I think trying to carve out your own identity in breakfast does take 
a while, it's not something that happens overnight. I think people always thought that Sunrise was an overnight success. It wasn't. It took no. us quite a while. Um, and, you know, we had to find our feet. And clearly, yes, me not being mentally as strong as I have been or could be didn't help. But, uh, you know, I don't you know. you were I mean, putting a lot of pressure on yourself. You, were, you essentially had that, that production unit set up where you were doing the job of, like, five producers, really. Yeah, which is which was probably in hindsight really dumb, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know one of many dumb things that I did, that time, <laughs> you know, and there, there are many of those dumb things are things that still keep me awake to this, you know, to this day. But you know, uh, but that said, it it's still I think um, you know had had great potential, and and I still believe in breakfast TV generally. I still believe in the power of television. I still believe in the mm. ability of TV to make a noise. I obviously love TV. And despite the challenges that the TV broadcasters are now facing, they shouldn't be surrendering, obviously. It's, it's um, and I'm not saying they are, but it, it is to some extent easy to stop taking risks when you know you are under so much fundamental pressure and i think that is could be you know one of the problems why do you think people enjoyed the fact wake up failed oh did they i don't know i mean you know there was there was a section within the industry that enjoyed it because you had had a lot of success and it, you know, we are a country that likes to cut people down. And... I'd also, to be fair, Rob, I'd also created a lot of enemies. <laughs> I, was a, I was a bit of an arsehole, right, to some people. And, you know, because I was so competitive. And yeah. um, I think I'm... Well, says the guy who famously slashed the tyres of a competitor's news car. Right, you know, and that's not <laughs> behaviour that should ever be condoned. Uh, and they, you know, I look back at what I call old Adam in, in you know, in horror sometimes, and I don't think it's it's who I am. These but we days. all do and that. We all change. We all grow. Correct, correct, right. And this is the thing. And and I think we, if we, if we were simply to walk away from experiences like those and just think, okay, learnt nothing, that would be a huge problem. Uh, did learn a lot. To answer your specific question. I don't know. I, f- I feel like I feel like there are plenty of people who are who are sad about it. I feel like there mm. are um, many, many great people in the industry. I, most of my closest friends are still in in the industry. But TV is more political than probably anything <laughs> but politics, right? Yes. So there will there will always be those people, and but you know that's okay if if that's how they want to <laughs> if, if if that's what you know gets them through. So be it. I know, right? And there is a freedom and a beauty of being outside the bubble because television is in a bubble and the people in television are in a bubble sometimes. And I think that makes it harder for them to connect with what viewers actually want. Yeah. Hey, I think, uh, yep, I, I do to some extent. And I was in that bubble. I tried to get us out of the bubble as much as possible by taking, you know, the, the, the team out as much as possible mm. to things like, you know, Rudy Hill, RSL or whatever. I mean, they're gimmicky to some extent, but it was part of that notion of being able to always make sure we were connected and listening to viewers. I think fundamentally that's really important. I think um, the challenges that we're facing are very different from the challenges often faced by our viewers. And, I think uh, shows should always reflect those challenges. And, and I think that was part of the, to swing that conversation back to the beginning, that's one of the reasons I think the Big Guns of Politics was such an important segment is because 
uh, we were able to break free of the conversation that was normally had with politicians where we would just ask the default questions. The mm. questions that were being asked to politicians were the ones that were faced by our viewers. And the, way, the reason we knew what those questions were is because we listened to our viewers. That was The Roswell was revolutionary. It, well, yeah, and it was the key to, to the success. That was, that was to, to, to me, that was the key to the success of Sunrise, the fact that it reflected the attitudes of its viewers. Mm. Um, and that should be, you know, that's the basis of many, many shows, really. That, that should be at the, at the heart of any show that values community. Um, so, yeah, some of that, I think, is, is, could be embraced a little bit more from time to time. Um, but, you know, outside of that, TV is, you know, hard and, and they do, you know, great stuff and, 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 you know, you and I both know how tricky it can be. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Look, there's highs and lows in television. Let's focus on the highs for a moment. When you look back, what is something that you think, I can't believe we got to do that? Oh, so many. Uh, geez, so many. I mean, I think perhaps the, probably the thing I'm, I'm most proud of during that time was um, the tsunami concert that we, mm-hmm. we did reach out to Asia. I just think, uh, so that was after the Boxing Day tsunami and, you know, in the space of four hours, we raised $20 million in, for, in a broadcast that was simulcast on all three networks uh, and radio stations coast to coast and live into 20 countries with, you know, an extraordinary concert on the steps of the Opera House that was organised in a week Amazing. Uh, with some of the biggest names in entertainment and, and um, you know, to bring three networks together, and David Leckie deserves immense credit for that, um, was I think one of the things that I, I, you know, it was, that was an amazing experience and I was proud of that. And, and that's kind of, I feel as though that's TV used at its best, right? Mm. When TV can actually make a difference. And they've done it recently through the bushfires. They did some amazing stuff, very similar to that. I love, and we're seeing it a little bit with COVID as well, right? I love when the TV can be, you know, a, a, a growing up, always seeing in Epping, always seeing the, 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 the tower above Channel 7 in Mods Lane covered like a Christmas tree or, you know, they used to put the lights on and yes. it looked like a Christmas tree out there. Yeah. And there was Thanks something Christmas. about that. It was always like Channel 7 was at the heart of the community. It was something mm-hmm. that should make you smile and happy. And I think that's when the media is great, right? When you look to the media as something that makes you happy, it's, 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 it's something that can motivate us to do good as opposed to being a place that spreads fear. Uh, I think that's the good and the bad in the media. I prefer the good. Um, so, yeah, Reach Out to Asia was obviously probably, I think, one of the highlights. But there were so many. I mean, yeah, but tell me, was... tell me about that because you were in the meetings where executives across all the networks were in the one room talking about how you make this thing come together because you were going to do something. And then yeah. nine were going to do something and you all made mm. the logical decision to come together. But everyone's got different ideas. How do you facilitate that and make that all come together? Was there any hand banging on the table? Or... Oh my god, it was the trickiest <laughs> production meeting ever. The first one, <laughs> uh, but it was the three P's were great. So it was myself, um, Glenn Pallister from nine, uh, Craig Campbell at ten, 
and just a bunch of great people from all three networks that kind of came together and contributed stuff. And I think ultimately once we got beyond, you know, the biggest debate was who should host from each network, you know, because then mm. it was, you know, we had to make sure there was an even number of people from each <laughs> network represented. Oh, we've got too much FaceTime. You've got too much face. And I refused to separate Koshi and Mel. And I kept saying that Koshi and Mel essentially were one person. Which was, <laughs> which was, and they're like, you've got two people. I said, I don't. I've got Koshi and Mel. They're one. <laughs> did you get away with that? Yes, I did. Yeah, of course so, you did. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is cool. And ironically, they co-hosted with uh, Larry Emder, who at that point was still at Channel 9. So yes. it was before he, he came across to 7. Uh, so that was fun, you know. And, yeah, but it was everyone came. We all had our respective, you know, Craig took care of Melbourne and um, uh, Glenn was uh, downstreaming essentially out of TCN. And it just it came together really, really well. Which is mm. a beautiful production, and it showed what can happen, right? When everyone just works together. Come Monday morning, of course, we're all back warring, but <laughs> it was it was nice for a little while. And all wanting to know which network everyone watched the concert on. I think seven for memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, do you ever think? And I'm, I, I bet you don't. But do you ever think about your legacy? within the industry, because you look at what you've done. You turned Sunrise into a hit, and no one, as much as they might try, can rewrite that history. You are the guy that got turned Sunrise into a powerhouse. You put Mel and Koshy together. You gave Nat Barr the job there. You gave Mark Beretta the job there. They're all still there. It's all still kicking goals. The show has gone on without you, as shows always do. But you created that. You created the morning show. You basically came up with that show and it hasn't lost a week since it's been on air. You must have a sense of pride in what you have achieved. And I hope you focus on those things and not the negatives at times. Yeah. I, look, I thank you for saying that. And I do, obviously I'm very proud of, of all of those things and um, loved overall loved my time in television, loved it. And um, yeah, I regret obviously many of the things at the end of those years. I, there are so many things I regret. Rob, you and I know we've spoken about many of these things, mm. right? And I, the fact that I, 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 I was my own worst enemy a lot. Um, is, well, you, cut a, is, you, you ended up cutting a lot of relationships, didn't you? Because which, you which yeah, to this day still is, is creates enormous unrest in my mind, right? I wish I could rewrite some of that because in many ways that, that time at seven was uh was a time of family for me right yeah. it was it was where i was at most at home it's it was home it's where i spent you know most of the hours of every day uh always chose to live very close to the station because that's where i was most comfortable um but you know for whatever reason whatever way my mind worked back then i i decided to like that match but um but yeah you know i'm, I'm very proud of many of the people that i look at on tv and know i played a part in in them being on tv across the various networks now um you gave like me that. so many opportunities you know i i wouldn't have achieved the things i achieved without you Oh, I'm sure that's not right. I think talent will always, in the end, find its feet. I was just happy to, you know, along the way, help some people on that path. But yeah, you know, it's 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 was was a good chapter. But you know, at the same time, I'm also enjoying. Funnily enough, I'm actually I find myself more at peace these days than ever. I'm actually in a place that I, I feel more comfortable. I, there, we've spoken about many of the things I miss, but I actually I feel like I'm in a 
a pretty happy place these days and doing stuff that I actually, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very lucky. I, I'm, I, the, the business I run, Bodhi Media, I, I went into partnership with um, David Gordon, who while we were at 10 was on the board of 10, mm. was chairman for a while. And he's been great and he's been able to give me the ability to just kind of play in spaces I want to play in and work with brands I want to work with. And so I've got the luxury of being able to do stuff that, I really want to do such as the stuff with science academy i've done stuff with mental health charities like beyond blue i've enjoyed that so mm. i enjoy using the skills uh, that i was able to you know pick up across the years in tv and, and other places to use in in you know places that i want to be playing in now so uh you know overall pretty happy you have had so many million dollar ideas and i've always said to you bolo the moment you hold on to one idea for long enough, you will make millions of dollars. I know. Bodhi Media problem, seems right? to be the one that's sticking because you were going to have um, the resort in Vanuatu, which I still think would have been an amazing... <laughs> I went to that location and it yeah. just would have been amazing. But you've ended up where you are, which is a bit of home to you because it's media-based as well. Mm. But um, have you finally settled down? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I get restless, Rob. I but, know you um, do, Bolo. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I, I work with some great people and we, we do a lot of experimental stuff, which I'm really enjoying. Like we, we're doing a lot of stuff, for example, right? This is a, a tangent, but we do a lot of stuff in the mainland Chinese market, mm-hmm. which is a market that I just don't, you know, understand a lot. So I hired some Chinese journalists who do understand the market. I'm doing some stuff with, you know, so I'm learning about the Chinese platforms, which are phenomenal. Um, I'm playing in the science space and working, you know, so one of the awesome things I did a couple of, you know, a year ago, I went on a science expedition with these Chinese scientists to dig up, um, you know, some fossils near Eden, um, you know, and, 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 you know, came down cliff faces where I thought I was going to die. Who knew that I would be doing <laughs> stuff like that, right? So I'm challenging myself in different ways, which is fun. So, uh, but in terms of where the business would go, I don't know. And this is why I'm so, you know, David kind of gives me, you know, I'm sure he gets annoyed at times, but he, he gives me the freedom to just kind of play knowing that at some point, yeah, one of those ideas may pay off in a bigger <laughs> way. But in the meantime, the stuff we're doing, I think is, you know, worthwhile at least. Indeed. What is, um, you talked about relationships and you talked about the ones that you regret, but have you, television's a funny game. When you're not in it, do those relationships hold up? No, not me. Oh, well, the, I mean, well, yes and no. I guess um, still my closest friends work in TV, right? And, yeah. and um, you know, my best mate works in TV. My, my, you know, my oldest friends are still in TV because, you know, I went 20 years and the only people I knew were in TV. <laughs> uh, so it is actually been quite nice to uh, increase my social circle, by the way. You know, I like the fact <laughs> that I've got friends outside of TV. Who knew there was life outside of it? Um, I know. There is. You know, as you would be finding, right? And you, you do. You get exposed to all kinds of new people. Obviously, some relationships do break down. There are some that, that, you know, were there simply because of either the position you had or, you know, what you could do. I think that was the hardest thing I learnt. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, good lesson. Right. And, mm. um, and that's okay. That's, that's, you know, fundamentally many of us, and I think it's a human characteristic to some extent to be selfish and, and, and that's okay. But, um, you know, there are, 
many, many great people in TV, many great people in TV, um, who, you know, I, I still talk to almost nightly. So yeah, I mean, relationships come and go, but I, I'm not sure that's exclusive to TV. I just, perhaps sometimes mm. that we have agendas that are perhaps a little bit more self-centered in TV. Indeed. Well, Bolo, I could chat to you for hours. Um, I, I know I'm making you very... That would be very, very un- dangerous. Yes, and you have, <laughs> I was very reluctant, Rob. It's like I all, I've tried twice to, you know, postpone this, right? And it's not your fault. It's it's me, not you. Uh, oh, but, but you, knew, you knew where I'd go and I have a million questions I could ask you, but I'm, I really do appreciate you just having the chat because I know this is very uncomfortable for you. And you're, and you're not one who actually takes praise very well despite what people might think about you you don't take one-on-one praise very well do you uh well i get embarrassed because of of the uh, many things i've done wrong <laughs> so it's still just trying to balance those things we out, all I have i know i know there we all have our demons right and we're all we're all i think that's the one thing that i've you know i walk away with with after all everything that happened this sense i think my sense of empathy is greater than it ever has mm. been so I, and I think that is perhaps a really important quality for us all, particularly in times such as COVID, you know, reaching out and, and, you know, I've always often said that that concept of are you okay day should be every day. And I, and, and that's, that is important. And so if I, if I pick that up of, 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 you know, as a result of some of the bad stuff that happened, then that's okay. Bala, you are a legend. I love you dearly. Thank you for talking with me. It's been fun. It's been scary, <laughs> but been fun. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Fun, insightful interviews from a Washington producer with nothing to lose. Good night tonight. Good night tonight. Good night tonight. It's good.